She's a Super Geek is a proud member of the Misdirected Mark Network. Episode 132 is brought to you by our patron, James Fellow. Thank you, James. Listening to episode 132 of She's a Super Geek, the actual play RPG podcast highlighting women as GMs. Hello, everyone. It's Andy, and on today's episode, my co host Senda and I are featuring a response to the esteemed Dr. Crackpot by Emily Jankowski. This game can be played asynchronously in person or over the internet. For example, Senda and I sent emails to each other, and you play as two rival academics with incompatible views slugging it out in the pages of one of your field's journals. Just so you know, most of the scientific stuff in this episode is completely made up, and we apologize to all scientists of every field. A special thanks to Rob Abrazzato for playing our news announcer. Recently, fossilized remains and habitat in the Valdiva province, Los Rios region of the Republic of Chile, have led the archaeological world to proclaim that another species of the genus Homo sapiens, of which we are, lived there over 20,000 years ago. Based on circumstantial evidence, the original researcher, Dr. Isabella Soto, proclaimed this species Homo Atlantis since they seem to have been able to live underwater and on land. Though colloquially known as mermaids, these Homo Atlantis were neither human nor Atlantan. Pieces of building found at the site were shipped to the University of Central States lab after Dr. Soto's untimely death last month. Potassium argon dating agrees that these creatures lived 20 to 25,000 years ago. However, we discovered traces of an element previously unknown to the scientific world. It matches nothing on the periodic table. Multiple researchers have confirmed my findings. As my research in... Homo Atlantis, human fantasy, the almost unbelievable origins of the Los Rios archaeological dig, conclusively proves Homo Atlantis' origins are not of this world. In fact, they are an alien species who adapted to the anatomy of the local standard, that of the indigenous Chileans, and to their newfound geographical area, a shallow ocean trench. As Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stated, When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. We have eliminated the impossible and are left with the extremely improbable truth. Aliens. With the death of Dr. Soto and the dig site restricted to only police investigators, the future of this project is in danger. We as a scientific community must act swiftly to urge government officials not to close down the dig. I encourage all of you to sign my petition at truthisaliens-notmermaids.co.org.pa. 
Dr. W. Elena Focas, Ph.D., pronouns they, them, theirs, chair of the Department of Anthropology and Archaeology, University of Central State. While my esteemed colleague, Dr. Focus, may be committed to their position, I find it difficult to believe that the readers of such a well-respected journal of science would have any interest in such baseless assumptions as aliens. While Homo Atlantis is surely a remarkable discovery, and as a scientific community we are fascinated by the new element traces, there are, as Shakespeare would tell us, more things in heaven and earth than we can fully comprehend without resorting to extraterrestrial explanations. As we continue to explore our own planet, it's clear to me that Dr. Focus has willfully ignored the vastness of the unexplored areas beneath the oceans at our very feet. It is extremely difficult for us to achieve the depths we need in order to actually test the deep oceans for this element, Oceanium, as I am proposing it should be called. Oceanium appears to have several unique properties that, while previously undiscovered, are not grounds for assumption of extraterrestrial origins. Based on the chemical construction of the extremely limited oceanium we have been working with in my labs from the recovered artifacts, oceanium as a metal will chelate with hydrogen in water, releasing oxygen to the water directly. Not only does this explain how Atlanteans would have been able to manage underwater breathing without issue, the result of the bond between hydrogen and oxygen appears to have had some energy release, which my theory proposes the Atlanteans were able to harness. Given that we have strong evidence of Atlantean technology scattered around the world at various points in history, from the perfect stone boxes in Egypt to the perfectly chiseled stones in... Saxe-Huaman, to Stonehenge and the Nazca lines of Peru, there must have been a power source that could have made all of these wonders possible. Of course, we would not have discovered Oceanium yet. Not only would it logically appear only in deep oceans if it had been used for thousands upon thousands of years as a primary source of fuel, there would be little of it left in any reachable area to find. It's clear that Homo Atlantis, instead of coming from the stars, was an advanced civilization of beings whose evolution we have not yet discovered, most likely likely because this history is writ large in the deepest parts of the unexplored seas. It is even possible, and my conclusion personally, based on the evidence of our laboratories and as verified independently by the University of Connecticut, that what we are looking for is actually the transitional fossil from the sea and land-going Homo Atlantis to the land-only descendants we have found ourselves to be. Dr. Maria Ermaid, PhD, she, her, Director, Southern Oceanic Institute of Science. I am highly flattered that my esteemed colleague, Dr. Ermaid, would take the time to pen such a strong argument in my findings' favor. Had she taken the time to read my full article... She would have seen my chemical analysis of the unknown element and the likelihood of it being able to formulate organically in the wild. Even with so many unknowns within the deep oceans, the laws of science still hold true. No new elements have been added to the periodic table since Tennessean's discovery in 2010, and many of the newer elements have only been developed as part of human initiative and scientific advances, particularly in the area of nuclear technology. 
The idea of an element allowing this so-called Homo Atlantis to breathe underwater without developing gills or other methods of processing oxygen in the water is laughable. Perhaps she would also like to put forth the theory that Atlanteans lived in a huge cavern with individuals who can live for thousands of years through the power of a crystal called the Heart of Atlantis. The plot of the 2001 Disney film Atlantis the Lost Empire, which I believe Dr. Ermaid would enjoy viewing if it had not been apparent that she has already seen it. Also, I can't believe Dr. Ermaid would point to such a pseudoscience as the theory that a single technology powered the great wonders of the ancient world. Particularly troubling is the assumption that this new group of creatures would arise from the ocean to perfect monuments such as Stonehenge and the Nazca Lines and withdraw without a trace of themselves, except for these projects. Traveling on land leaves traces. We would have found fossils and remnants of Homo Atlantis long before now if this were true. Also, calling us to look for transitional fossils to prove that we as Homo sapiens are evolved from Homo Atlantis is irrational and a waste of valuable energy within the scientific community. Should our fellow scientists feel so moved... I ask that they duplicate my experiments with the unknown element from the origin site. Three other scientists have validated my finding, two of which, Drs. Johannes Linka and Sita Patel, have been known for their anti-extraterrestrial intelligent life views. They have co-written an article in the upcoming May issue of Scientific South American supporting my view. Since Dr. Ermaid enjoys popular science fiction movies, I will quote one of mine. When it comes to aliens, if it is just us, seems like an awful waste of space. That's from Contact, Dr. Ermaid. Dr. W. Alana Fokas, Ph.D., Pronouns they, them, theirs. Chair of the Department of Anthropology and Archaeology, University of Central State. It is unfortunate that my colleague Dr. Focus cannot approach the mystery of Oceanium with an open mind. Foregone conclusions in science have been known to hold back scientific discovery time and time again. It is only through the willingness to learn, to experiment, and to maintain the flexibility to change our view that we can truly advance our understanding. While there is no evidence, as of yet, of any extraterrestrial interference on our planet, as all instances can be clearly explained by terrestrial means, I do understand the fairy tale draw of the, quote, other. However, this is an attraction best kept to the realm of science fiction. If Dr. Focus would prefer to go back to their Disney movie recommendations, they might be better received. My esteemed colleague appears to be highly focused on the idea of the ancient undersea city of Atlantis. It is not my belief that we are looking for a single city, but the ruins of a previous underwater outpost scattered across the deep ocean. On one thing, Dr. Focus and I agree. It's clear that Homo Atlantis lived both underwater and on land. 
We have documented evidence of water-going peoples in dealings with the ancient Egyptians, as well as in picture documentation elsewhere across the world. This was not a single city, but an ancient civilization that lived alongside Homo sapiens for many thousands of years, and it is my belief merged and interbred with them. There are many examples of remains that have puzzled scientists for years, including elongated skulls, which this new discovery reveals are the progeny several generations removed of Homo Atlantis and Homo sapiens. If Dr. Focus had bothered themselves to read the rest of my article published in this very journal's January publication, they would have also read in detail how Oceanium could be used extremely easily to power all kinds of technology that would appear to our modern eyes to be nearly magical, not requiring motherboards, combustion, or even gears that we would recognize as such today. We are not talking about looking for some kind of ancient computers buried beneath the deepest sands, but the kind of basic physics that could functionally lift rocks rocks weighing tons. Since the chelation of oceanium happens upon contact with water, it's an easy chemical reaction to cause and control. Additionally, previously existing natural veins of oceanium on the deep ocean floor would have produced ongoing air pockets. We've found potential sites of such bubbles already in the Yanaguni Monument off of Japan, Theonis off the coast of Egypt, and the Fuxian Lake in China. In reviewing previous archaeological exploration of these sites, we have discovered further traces of oceanium. Our next task is, of course, to start looking for this element specifically in non-undersea archaeological sites. The Southern Oceanic Institute is continuing our underwater explorations and working in conjunction with Western State University, Drs. A. Hayes, P. Knight, and A. Iximbal, and the University of East Cairo, Drs. R. McKinley, P. Hassan, and T. Ali. I am disappointed in our colleagues who have ignored years of scientific inquiry methods to leap to an extraterrestrial answer, and I am sure that with a little more information they will come to see the clear connections in our research. Dr. Maria Ermaid, Ph.D., she, her, Director, Southern Oceanic Institute of Science. While my esteemed colleague, Dr. Ermaid, and I do agree on one thing, that Homo Atlantis seems to have lived both on land and in the sea, I find it belittling and dismissive that she claims I and my other many colleagues have ignored scientific methods. It is true that of the Earth's vast oceans, only 20% have been mapped, and I note that 0.001% of that mapping has been done at the Southern Oceanic Institute of Science in its two decades of study. Yet, if Homo Atlantis were as widespread as she claims, we should have seen far more evidence of it before now. Certainly, the fairy tale draw she accuses me of having is simply projection, as ongoing air pockets making it possible for entire settlements to live without adapting to filtering water for oxygen may make sense for the Little Mermaid, but not for our physical reality. On the one hand, I can understand why Dr. Ermate is so hesitant to see anything scientific in an extra-terrestrial origin of Homo Atlantis, since she has spent so much time fighting off quote-unquote rumors of her extra-marital affairs. On the other hand, 
Her article is as useful to the scientific community as midi-chlorians are to the Star Wars franchise. Convenient nonsense to force an unfortunate plot with a formulated but not thought out conclusion through. Perhaps she could invest her time and grant money in something more plausible than these underwater pockets and more helpful to her, such as time travel to prevent past mistakes or memory erasure to prevent the word from getting out. I'm sure her formal doctoral candidate student would be willing to work on either of these projects close with her if they hadn't been denied their doctorate based on a major ethical violation. Dr. W. Elena Focas, Ph.D., pronouns they, them, theirs, chair of the Department of Anthropology and Archaeology, University of Central State. I have to congratulate my esteemed colleague, Dr. Focus, on their commitment to their theory, however wrong it may be. Maybe if they could get some extra from anyone here on Earth, they wouldn't be so focused on extraterrestrials. I am sure time travel, as they so helpfully suggest, would also be useful to Dr. Focus in sorting out that little issue with the remote state university several years ago and the case of the disappearing grant money. All archaeologists are just fascinated by finding out the answers to these ancient mysteries. I would challenge Dr. Focus to see which of our presentations is best received at Quack this year. I am sure the scientific community, being of a discerning nature generally, specific cases excluded apparently, will be able to decide for us which theory holds more validity. Dr. Maria Ermade, PhD, she, her, Director, Southern Oceanic Institute of Science. This is NPR's Science Tuesday with Chet Marshall. Today's episode is brought to us by Remote State University, offering graduate degrees in undersea archaeology. You can find more information about Remote State University and all of Science Tuesday's sponsors at ScienceTuesday.org. Today in scientific news, we have a very unscientific event to report. At the Quad Year World Underwater Archaeology Conference, known as QUAC, Director of the Southern Oceanic Institute of Science, Dr. M. Ermade, and Professor Ilana Focus of the University of Central State created a scene in the hotel bar. Colleagues say the two have had tension between them for months about a disagreement over a dig in South America. Witnesses report that shortly after 1 a.m., both scientists approached the bar to refill their drinks and, after exchanging some harsh words, fell to fisticuffs. The fistfight lasted almost 20 seconds and caused upward of $30 in damages to hotel property before a bouncer and one of Dr. Ermade's former graduate students separated them. Neither scientist was injured in the fight, but both spent the night in jail after refusing to pay for damages. We 
hope you enjoyed episode 131 of She's a Super Geek. If you liked what you heard, please head over to your favorite podcatcher of choice and give us a five-star rating and review. We really like it. And let's face it, many of us are at home with nothing better to do. So you know what? While you're out there, go ahead and give all your other favorite podcasts a five-star rating and review. It really does brighten people's day. Our theme song is Rock and Roll Play Baby by Kieran Strange. You can find music, tour dates, and merch on kieranstrange.com or on Twitter at Kieran Strange. You can find out more about us, the She's a Super Geek podcast, at sasgeek.com or on Twitter at sasgeekpodcast. If you like She's a Super Geek, you will definitely like Misdirected Mark where Phil and Bob and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. Be sure to join us in two weeks for our next adventure. She's a-